Welcome to News Fix, where we spend hours going through the news so you don't have to. More sanctions, less diplomacy, and a critical few days ahead to see what Putin does next. As the clock ticks on, the situation appears all the more perilous. It's Wednesday, February 23rd. Here's your News Fix. On Tuesday, a number of sanctions were announced by the EU, the UK, the US, Canada, Australia and Japan. These were all in response to President Putin's decision to recognise the two breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine as independent. Berlin also announced they halted approval of the polarising Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. And British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss wrote, nothing is off the table in a piece for the Times. In terms of the banking sanctions the US imposed, Max Seddon, Moscow bureau chief for the Financial Times, gave some interesting analysis on this. He tweeted, quote, One thing to make clear is that the banking sanctions don't really hurt Russia. VEB isn't even really a bank. It's basically a slush fund financed by the state. Another one of the banks was nationalized with the specific goal of getting it sanctioned to protect other banks from the US. I just thought it was some super helpful context in light of Biden's speech yesterday. Now also, US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken also said a scheduled meeting on Thursday with his Russian counterpart Sergei Lavrov was no longer going ahead. Meanwhile, Russia's upper house of parliament voted unanimously in favour of Russian troops being deployed abroad. As the Moscow Times noted, 153 Russian senators backed the decision with no one voting against or abstaining. In terms of some interesting analysis, The Guardian published a really fascinating piece on why the next few days are going to be so crucial. Basically, some of the positions currently being held by Russian forces near the border with Ukraine have poor protection from the cold and can be held only for a short period of time. It is also worth noting that roughly a third of the Russian troops are now understood to be tactically deployed in frontline positions. Now, he hasn't been mentioned on here in a while, but former President Donald Trump spoke in a complimentary tone about President Putin and his handling of the situation. We've included a link to the audio of the interview in today's newsletter. But Trump is quoted as saying, This is genius. Putin declares a big portion of Ukraine. Putin declares it as independent. Oh, that's wonderful. So Putin is now saying it's independent. I said, how smart is that? Had I been in office, not even thinkable, this would never have happened. Given there are so many different angles on this story and everything is so fluid at the moment, in today's newsletter, we've included a link to what we felt was the most helpful summary on the sanctions and also specifically on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. If you prefer to watch something rather than read, we also highly recommend watching, which we've included in the newsletter, the Channel 4 News piece from last night. While we know it's quite a lengthy piece, even watching just the first four minutes will help you so much. In terms of what else is expected to happen today, Portugal's Prime Minister Antonio Costa is expected to take office today once again after winning an unexpected majority in a recent snap election. Now an unusual federal case in the US. Three men who were last year convicted of the murder of Ahmad Aubrey in Georgia in 2020 were found guilty yesterday of federal hate crimes. This latest trial was about whether or not Gregory and Travis McMichael and their neighbour William Bryan targeted Aubrey, who was black because of his race. It's worth noting that the men are already serving life sentences, but may receive another life sentence following this conviction. In media matters, BBC on-air journalists Emily Maitlis and John Sopel jointly announced they were leaving the broadcaster and setting up a podcast and radio show together. Maitlis has been the presenter of Newsnight, and Sopel is the network's outgoing North America editor. In the last year, Maitlis has been reprimanded for a tweet and a monologue that broke the BBC's strict impartiality rules. It's worth noting here that the deal is with Global, the parent company of LBC. 
Late last year, Andrew Marr also left the BBC to join LBC, saying he was, quote, keen to get my own voice back. Mateless yesterday tweeted, it will be a wrench to leave the BBC after 20 phenomenal years. I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've had there. More than anything, I'm grateful to have worked with the most incredible people, many of whom are dear friends. I owe my BBC colleagues everything. And lastly, in societal shifts, Colombia has decriminalized abortion in the first 24 weeks of pregnancy. According to The Guardian, the country's constitutional court ruled five against four to make the legislative change. The article also referenced a pretty stark statistic. Of the approximate 400,000 annual abortions in the country, only 10% are believed to be carried out legally. In terms of the bigger picture on this, this follows similar steps made across South and Central America in recent years. We're going to highlight some context from Al Jazeera here, which said, quote, while it is built off of decades of work by feminist activists across the region, the recent wave first gained speed in Argentina, which in December 2020 passed a law to legalize abortion, and Mexico, which decriminalized the procedure in September. Other countries such as Ecuador also recently loosened laws to decriminalize abortion in situations of rape. That's today's fix. Have a great day.